This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Uh, I would like to talk to you in a minute about adoption, but before we go there, I want to just do a quick review of where we have been as a church. We have been going through the book of Galatians. We've been doing it for 10 weeks uh, but then we've had some guest people. So it's been about three months. We started uh, early August in the book of Galatians. And Paul is addressing a church in Galatians. And um, he is kind of like that coach, that football coach you'll see on television. He cares about his team, the players that are on his team. He cares about the jersey that it represents so much so that sometimes he'll grab the church, Paul, as a coach, grab it by the, you know, the, the straps of the sh- shoulder pads and bring it up really close, and he's going to give a stern rebuke. You know what the uh, opposite of love is? It's not hate. It's indifference. It's indifference. I don't care. You, and maybe some of you have... Uh, taught school in a public school system or a private school system, you may have a kid that doesn't care. And that's the tough kid. You know, if you have someone who's like mad and all that, okay, somehow he's emotionally attached, that he has enough emotional attachment that he's angry. But if someone who could care less, that is a really bad sign. And Paul cares about his church, uh, the church of Jesus Christ. And he's caring so much that he's bringing a stern rebuke. And the reason he's bringing a stern rebuke is because they are off track. They have lost sight of the cross. And so in part one or week one, we talked and, um, you know, we could see the Galatians church started their journey with Jesus with great enthusiasm, you know, when they were younger. And this is a challenge to our Chi Alpha alumni throughout my, uh, it's been 30 years I've been involved with Chi Alpha and I talked to some of our alum. And, you know, when they were here 20 years ago, you know, when we were at Moore Auditorium and they were, we had a jumping and shouting Chi Alpha group. I mean, there was one guy that was so big, he was a shot putter for Florida State, that he would love to twirl for Jesus, and he would do it on that side. And one time, I wasn't aware of my surroundings, and I I was sitting in the front row, and I was like, oh, I got to go tell the sound person something. And I got up, and all of a sudden, I see this big hand just flying. I'm like, whoa, and I had to do a, a Matrix move before I got knocked out. A lot of enthusiasm. Just like the Galatians, a lot of enthusiasm, but something has happened during their journey with Jesus, and they've lost their enthusiasm. They had some sort of buyer's remorse. There was wondering if there was something better than where they were before with Christ. In Galatians 1.6 says, and Paul's saying, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. The apostle Paul knows what awaits for people who begin to follow a different gospel, and it's not good. And uh, we talked about apostasy, uh, turning away and, and, and turning your back on that what was at one time super important. And I would love to say that all my alumni in the 30 years are serving the Lord strongly. Sadly, they are not. Something happened. 
Something happened from their enthusiasm to worship Jesus, to live for him, to be disciples of Jesus, to uh, make disciples who make disciples, to have small groups. We did it all. And somehow 20 years down the road, some of them, I wouldn't say many of them, have not are no longer following Jesus. What happened? And the, the church is, this is what's happening to the Galatians church. And, and Paul sees it. He could see what's going to happen. And then the second part of our sermon series, uh, we talked about Galatians 1.10. I am now trying to win. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings? Or am I trying to win the approval of God? And this was a church that was struggling with people pleasing. They were pleasing people and losing sight of Jesus in the cross. And, and Paul is grabbing the church by the straps, pulling them really close because he loves them and he cares for them. So when I saw a coach last night grabbing a player, it's because he cares. He cares about the team. He cares about the player. He cares about winning. And Paul is doing the same with this church. He says, are we still trying to please people? And Paul says, no, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ if I'm trying to please people. And a famous songwriter, Bob Hartman, it's funny, nobody knows who he is, but when I shared this you know, nine weeks ago, we got a message online. They knew exactly who it was, and I'll tell you who it is in a second. But he writes a, a little poem. He says, so many voices telling me which way to go. So many choices come from those who think they know. There is a way that seems right to a man but it only brings in death. I want to go the way that leads to life till I draw my dying breath. Bob Hartman, also known as the lead singer for Petra. All right, come on. Any Petra fans out there? Just me? All right, you have to be old and enjoy Petra. And then part three is uh, we made the point that your autobiography is the argument. How you live your life is the argument of the fullness of Christ. Paul called uh, in Galatians chapter one, I want to know, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it by any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by the revelation from Jesus Christ. And this is what I love this part. For you have heard that of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church and church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age. But when God who called me set me apart by his grace, it says to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. And basically he's saying, do you remember what I used to be? And his autobiography is his argument. Do you remember I used to do this and now I'm doing this for the Lord? And our autobiography is a testament. I love hearing your stories uh, when you share with me how you come to know Christ. It's powerful. Your story, your autobiography is a testament of God's grace working in your life. You'll hear from me from, and you've heard it, some of you have been hearing it for, for many years. I think of Kim, uh, Dr. Christopher, Daniel Lavelle. They've heard all my stories. You know, when I share a story, they just kind of roll their eyes like teen kids sometimes. Uh, but you know, you know, you get a glimpse of who I, what I used to be. And when I go home, I'm, I sometimes I forget that people don't know I'm a minister. I've, I've come to know Christ. And so, but there used to be a part of me that I'm still so embarrassed to tell you about. I would I'm actually never going to tell you about it. It's so bad. 
But because of God's grace, I could tell you about his goodness and I love to share about his goodness. And I hope you do the same thing because your autobiography is your best argument. And Paul is making that point when he's sharing in the rest of Galatians chapter one. Christian living a transformed life is the best argument for Christianity. Then we went to week four, and then it says this, recognizing, in chapter two, verse nine, recognizing, Paul is talking about people recognizing the grace that had been given to him. And so we asked each other during the message, what does grace look like so that you could recognize it? What does grace look like? I know I can point out people who had the name grace, but what does grace look like? And we looked at the passage and we determined a couple things is that one is when you are filled with grace and you're living a life of grace, God has saved you. You have a transformed life. You used to be this and now you're that. Uh, is someone who recognizes that Jesus has changed your life, but Paul gives us a glimpse of what grace looks like. And it says there in verse three of chapter two, but not even Titus who was with me. And there's the element of discipleship. That in other words, you have been so transformed that you want to invest your life in others. Now, a lot of us are parents, and, and so we want to invest our lives into our children. But even outside of our family, it's important disciples who make disciples. You have to have people you're investing in, and Paul does that, and that's what grace looks like. You're investing in others. And then the second thing is we looked for and we talked about is that we can look for in a person's life a sacrificial obedience to God's word. They're going to do what God has asked them to do. And Paul has been doing that. And it was so evident that he brought people with him that the church recognized this guy has grace in his life. And so that was a challenge for us as a church. Uh, part five, our sermon part five was really simple. It was eager to help the poor. In verse 10, they only asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. So, as a church, we want to make sure that as we're walking in grace, uh, we are bringing people with us, which is risky, right? When you bring someone along to say, hey, follow me as I follow Christ, that's risky. Because you may not want them to follow you. Okay, they may want you, to, you may want them to follow you certain parts of your day, but maybe not every part of your day. And that's what the beauty of discipleship is that you're saying, I want to invite you into my life. I want to show you what a grace-filled life looks like, that I used to be this reprobate, but now I've been saved by Christ and my life has changed. I want you to see my life. And I want you to uh, invest in my life by uh, bringing correction or, or affirmation. But it's risky when you bring people into your life. Coming to church is risky, you know, and especially a smaller church. If you want less risk, just go to a very large church where they have great things going on, but, you know, they don't know if you're there or not. And so when you're here and you're a regular tender and then you're not here, we notice. And, and that's a risk. In other words, you're inviting people into your life. But I think it's a good risk that we hold each other accountable. And Paul was doing That's what grace looks like. And then Paul tells us to remember the poor. Never forget to remember the poor. It's no win for us as a church to be 
to be reciting the Apostles' Creed, to be orthodox, theologically correct, and forget about helping the poor. It, it, it just, it doesn't go together. On the other end, it's no really help to be uh, helping the poor and never talk about Jesus and salvation and, and us being lost and needing Christ. And that's what I love about Connections Church. They preach the whole gospel. So it's no win to help the poor and not hold on to orthodox, biblical, theological truths. We want to be full followers of Jesus. And then part six, we talked about being a hypocrite. And what it really means, the word itself, what it means. It means wearing a mask. Parading to be someone else or playing a character or staying in character. And the challenge for us as we are reading about Galatians in the church is that we want to make sure that um, we're not wearing a mask. I think that's one of the, when we wear masks, that's where it hurts our autobiography. Uh, Pastor, uh, Brother Chris and I were just chatting, uh, pre-service prayer, and we talked about the, the challenge when you have someone who says, uh, you know, I just want to thank my Lord Jesus Christ, and then they live a whole different lifestyle of living for Jesus. And you've probably seen it on television, you know, someone who'll, who'll give glory to God and then uh, doesn't live like it. And that brings confusion. It doesn't help the testimony. And then it says here in verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 13, when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Be uh, for before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. And when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? He got called out for wearing a mask. The challenge for us is which mask are we wearing? I shared a testimony of my life when I was says, I said I was a Christian, uh, but I was living a very godless life on campus, secular campus. And as I thought about that, which mask was I really wearing? Was I really a follower of Christ and putting on the mask of a, you know, a drunken heathen? Or really was I a drunken heathen wearing the mask of a Christian. And that was a challenge for me because I didn't, I don't know. I don't know. And, and Paul is challenging the church, don't put on this mask. And so I pray that all of us don't put on masks, that what we see here is who we are at home. And if, if there's a difference that you need to ask yourself, which mask are you wearing? Are you a struggling Christian? Which, you know, sometimes those are times where we are. But maybe we think we are a Christian, but we're really not. And we're just wearing the mask of a Christian. And we wear it on Sundays. I pray that that's not the case, anyone here. 
the Apostle Paul uses these words of hypocrisy because he's saying you're not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. And he's saying to this to the Galatians, they are not in step with the truth of the gospel. And I shared a video with this sermon of these people doing the three-legged race. You remember there was like a 30-person three-legged race and it was beautiful. And I challenged us. That's what a, a church that is in line, is in step with the Holy Spirit. We can walk together in synchronization with the Holy Spirit. And man, we can do great things for the kingdom. But uh, too many times our in sync step was like when my wife and I did a three-legged race. Uh, we didn't do very well and we ended up arguing uh, at the end, uh, blaming each other for coming in last place. And so the, the, the message was to be in sync with Jesus. Be in sync with him. Walking in step with Jesus and his Holy Spirit. Living a life that is not putting on a mask. Then uh, two weeks ago, we talked about just because it seems right doesn't necessarily mean it is right. Seems right does not equal is right. Remember I told you sunny delight, my dad used to drink that, uh, is not the same thing as fresh orange juice. Amen? Or how about Hawaiian punch is not a, a, a healthy drink. Although, you know, anybody raised on Hawaiian punch? Yeah, me too. Yeah. See, look. Michael's an epitome of health. Look at him. He survived. Lunchables. <laughs> yeah. That's not, uh, you know, that's not really a healthy meal. Uh, it may feel like it is. And, and as parents, we probably, uh, I know we did it. Uh, it's just, you know, dishing out these lunches so you have something at lunch. Uh, but Sunny Delight is not the same thing as fresh squeezed orange juice. You know, that apple pie that you get at the uh, grocery store, you know, right next to the chewing gum and candy, that's really not an apple pie. Uh, so it's not the same. It's not, made, it's not the same as grandma's homemade apple pie. Uh, eating burgers from, you know, the fast food chains is really not the same as eating a farm-to-table burger, which I've had the blessing of eating. And then we talked about... Just because it seems right doesn't mean it is right. And then we talked about David. He thought it, was, it seemed right for him to carry the Ark of the Covenant, which is precious, represents the presence of God, which, you know, you also represent. The Bible says as followers that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And it seemed right for him to put this Ark on a cart and carry it with oxen. It seemed good. It was a good idea. It seemed like it was a good idea until it cost his friend's life. And then if you read the rest of that story in 2 Samuel, you realize that after that event, they send it off to this, this friend, Obed-Edom, and Obed-Edom gets blessed. So they bring it back and they carry it the way the, the Bible tells us uh, to carry it. And so David learned from that mistake, which cost his friend's life, and did it right. And that was the challenge for all of us. Is to, I would challenge us to always go back to the book. And if you're out of sync, the Holy Spirit will help you get back in sync. And just because you think you're doing that seems right doesn't necessarily mean it is right. And that's a challenge for all of us. That we need to make sure, and Paul is challenging the church, the Galatian church, it seems right that you need to be circumcised, but it is not right because they're adding something to 
salvation. And so Paul is rebuking the church. Now we do that sometimes. We sometimes like to add a few things and say that in order to follow Christ, you must do this, this, and that. And we've all kind of fallen prey to that. Now we are getting close to updated here. Uh, last week we talked, it says again, Paul in chapter 3 grabs the church by the straps, brings them really close, and he, and he uses this really tough language. Now, I, you know, I imagine we have good Christian football coaches out there, and uh, I have no idea what they, their language is like on the field. Uh, but I imagine uh, sometimes uh, they may get caught and say something, you know, a little harsh. And so, and Paul says, you foolish Galatians, who bewitched you, chapter 3, before your very eyes, Jesus clearly was betrayed as crucified. I would like to learn one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish After beginning by means of the Spirit, you're now going to try to finish by the means of the flesh. And that's a challenge. And he grabs the church by the straps and pulls like, you're being foolish. And last, you know, a couple weeks ago, I talked to you about being foolish. How many have ever been foolish in your past? I I could see it. Uh, And I shared my stories of many foolish acts of my life. Um... And I thank the Lord that he, he, you remember I shared the story a couple of weeks, Becky, you weren't here, but I talked about uh, me <laughs> and I shared it a little bit on, on Facebook and my sister wrote back, I'm still angry about that because I ruined her car. And so the Bible says, you know, Paul is telling, you're, you're being foolish church. You're, you're going to try to now finish in the flesh. You foolish Galatians, you who has bewitched you before your very eyes? Jesus Christ was clearly betrayed as crucified. Paul is trying to get their attention, to get them to refocus, to let them know that living a life in Christ comes through living the life of Jesus Christ and what he is destined for us. And Jesus Christ, him crucified. And that's how Jesus changes our lives as we submit our lives to him. Living in the spirit never, never, ever, ever bypasses the cross. And Paul is trying to get that into their heads. You can't bypass it and you can't add to it. And Paul is saying, listen up, pay attention. He's calling them fools. If you find yourself lost, and I'm going to ask the band to come here in a second. Uh, If you find yourself lost, Mosaic family, all I can say is come back to the cross. Come back to Jesus. Ask him to to forgive you of your sins. And guess what? He'll he'll receive you right back. He, He loves you so much. He cares about you. God's not indifferent. Jesus is not indifferent about your life. He cares. He cares so much that he'll send his Holy Spirit to convict us. Last week, we talked about the me monster. And I showed you my favorite video, and it's it's a hilarious video. Uh, 
But Paul says in chapter 6, we kind of fast forwarded to chapter 6, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. If we're going to boast, and I feel for our younger generation that we're, you know, we're just plugged into social media and to, but we live in a culture that's about self-boasting, about telling everybody who you are and what you're doing and look at me, look at me. And, and I have a hard time believing that Apostle Paul would be on social media saying, look at me. But what I don't have a hard time believing by reading his word is that Paul would say, look at the cross, look at Jesus. And Jeremiah says this about self-boasting. Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom and let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not the rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord." The Galatians were boasting about their addition to the cross, about circumcision. And if you wanted to be a true, true follower, not just a true follower, but a true, true follower, then you had to uh, be circumcised. And Paul is rebuking the church, says, no. Now, when I say the word circumcision, I know it's kind of weird for our culture today. Um, those who were listening to it understood. Look what it says in uh, chapter 612. Those who desire to make good showing in the flesh try to compel you to be circumcised simply so that they will not be persecuted. We talked about people pleasing. But we do that. And I shared that a second ago. We do that. We like to tell people that we've never missed a Sunday service or I've never been to a movie theater. That's usually the older crowd. They'll tell us all the things they didn't do. Uh, our church, how about this? Sometimes we could do this corporately. Like our church takes worship seriously, not like that church. And really what you're saying, you're boasting about yourselves. And we have to be careful. We tend to, we can fall into this category of boasting. And one of the things I think people don't like about the church is that it can come across as smug. Boasting is very similar to the word obsession. And if we're going to be obsessed about anything, let's be obsessed about Jesus and what he's done on the cross and what he's done for your life. Your autobiography is your testimony of what Jesus has done. Sin was nailed on the cross with Jesus, amen? And then flying through. I want to talk about adoption. Paul talks about this. So we got the next slide here, adoption. We have some family members in our church, family members who have adopted children. And just chatting with them, I know that adoption is extensive. It takes a lot of work. It's intense. It's very intensive. Now, it depends which, how you do adoption. My wife and I, we looked into adopting some children out of um, Honduras years ago and we recognized how it was super extensive super intensive and incredibly expensive at the time 
and this is probably 15, 20 years ago, it was going to cost us 50 grand with lawyers. It was uh, international. Uh, there were street kids living in uh, San Pedro Sula, and it was super intensive, extensive, and expensive, and we, we just couldn't do it. Adopting a child is not something you do quickly. You don't rush into it. And it's important that you take your time thinking about it. You need to have the right motives. One of the biggest challenges is that people are foster families and adoption for wrong motives. But you have to have the right motive in the right place. And you have to be ready emotionally for the process. And if you talk to any of our families here in our church that have adopted kids, I'm sure they could tell you this is true. It it's, takes a lot. But it also reminds me what Jesus, God has done for us through Jesus. Galatians chapter 4 says, What am I saying is that a long, as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time is set by the father. So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. It's so powerful, we don't have time to break it down. To redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption and sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. And the spirit who calls you out, Abba, Father. I love that saying, that, that truth, Abba, Father. So you are no longer, chapter 4, verse 7, you're no longer slaves, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. God initiates adoption. God sent his son. And then Jesus submits himself to human form and its challenges. Jesus becomes incarnate only to be later to be crucified. So think of it, what God went through, our God, our Father, through the intensive, extensive, expensive means to adopt us. Think of the extensive, intensive, expensive means to adopt you and to adopt me. And that fact alone should just cause us to hair on our arms to rise. And thank you, Jesus. Thank you for adopting us. Here's the interesting thing, and I don't want to get too deep into it, is I saw a movie, I saw a show about adoption and and depending at what stage you, you adopt the child, I have a friend of mine who adopted a child at age 15. And, um, and at age 15, th- that child is pretty, pretty set as far as personality and, and the whole bit, the culture. And so he took that child into his home, and it's been a challenge for him. It's been a challenge for him because the child still has its old culture, of living in foster care after foster care. And it's been uh, nurtured in a way that was difficult for that child to come in and graft into this new family 
to have a new name and new culture, new way of things. It was tough. And as we come into Christ, it's also tough. Have you ever noticed that some people come into Christ and they still carry that, that old character, that old nature? But here's the beauty of it, is the Holy Spirit. Jesus, uh, God in his wisdom, brings the Holy Spirit and begins to alter our DNA and our culture. And if we allow the Holy Spirit to do that, and so we are justified immediately as we're adopted, but also being process of sanctification through his Holy Spirit. Through his Holy Spirit. And, and, and just like uh, we have a, a kind of a newborn right here in the front row, a uh, beautiful little baby, and we have some other ones uh, around the church. But when a, a baby cries, uh, I always wonder, can, can moms determine the difference between their, you know, if there's like four or five babies, can moms determine the difference? There's been studies that show that they absolutely can. They absolutely can. And that's one of the things I love about this little, this little line, this little verse is before you were sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, Dad. And I, I hate to use the word Daddy because I watch these Instagrams and they make fun of people who say Daddy God. Uh, and so, <laughs> but really it's like, it's a baby's infant cry for his father. And guess what? God hears, he knows who his children are. And it's the beauty of it. And Paul is trying to get the church to wake up. And I'm trying to, Say to us, let's not get lost. Let's not get out of sync. Let's remember that we have been adopted and he doesn't just leave us alone. He fills us with his Holy Spirit. He empowers us to live for him and like him. And, and when we're lost, we can cry. If we're hurting, we can cry, Abba, Father. And as our new nature begins to uh, develop and grow, we have that intimacy and dependence to our Father. Amen? Because you are sons in God, uh, because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out Abba Father. And sadly, the Galatians church, and Bryce, if you want to come up and bring your team, and sadly, the Galatians church are being fooled they think they can add to what Jesus did in order to please God. Can you imagine? I mean, just think of it. They're going to add something somehow to please God who sent his son. We're basically saying, Jesus, you are not enough. The Galatians are being fooled. They think that they can add what Jesus did to please God and for them to feel affirmed. And all they need is to look to the cross, to look to the Son. His name is Jesus. And if we're lost, if we've gotten off track, the answer is the same, Jesus. And cry out, Abba, Father. And he hears that distinct, that distinct cry, like a mom hears a distinct baby cry. And guess what? He hears you and he hears me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Father, for your goodness.
Thank you for your kindness towards us. Thank you for adopting us for those who have submitted our lives and to you. Lord, we want to be grateful for what you did on the cross. Lord, we, we're not foolish enough to think that somehow we can brag about church attendance and makes you know, somehow that will uh, add to what you did on the cross. Lord, our church attendance should be a result of what you did on the cross. But it is because of you. Those of us who have said yes to Jesus, we accept your son into our lives. We submit and bow our knee to Jesus. Lord, help us. If anyone is lost, lost their way, maybe they've, through pain or sufferings that they've experienced, they've lost their way. Lord, I pray that through your Holy Spirit, you bring them back. Lord, I pray that we would learn to cry, Abba, Father. And as a good father, as a good parent, you, you know that sound. You come, you send your spirit to convict and to, to embrace and to encourage and to love us. Thank you, Father. Every eye closed and head bowed just for a moment. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.